This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 361 for the week of April 27th, 2014. What up, hey, also welcome to Kanzen Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzen Shu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening in a little bit. Oh, the entertaining. What's up, everyone? My name once again, talking to myself another week in a row for a little bit here, Mike Vegito EX. Good to be back with you on a little bit of a weekly schedule, maybe a bit later in the week than usual, but still coming at you a week later. Got a great episode for you again. We're kind of doing that thing. The, uh, the magic of audio recording is I can record something in the past and then bring it back into the future for a topic and splice it in and talk around it. And that is indeed what's going on again this episode. What is on deck for you? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about the news from the last week. Then our good buddy Lance, see, I promised it. And we are firing on all cylinders here. We are delivering exactly what we promised to you. Lance, gaffer tape, Mystere, Fusion, whatever you want to call him, I just call him Lance. Joining me to talk about Bardock, Goku's father Kakarot's father in the series who is he do we know who he is anymore in light of uh not just episode of Bardock but more specifically Dragon Ball Minus not quite a Dragon Ball Minus review it's a Bardock character analysis full steam ahead this episode look forward to that that is our topic this week then we'll wrap things up with a look at who's that character and that's uh probably an hour plus episode coming in your ears this week enjoy it I know I sure did uh, I've already recorded the whole topic, edited the whole topic, re-listened to the whole topic. I thought it was a good time, so uh, I hope you will as well. So with that all being said, man, let's just get into the news. Last episode, I skipped over news because it had been a month and there was no way to cover all of that stuff. Since it's only been a week, I'm thinking, all right, let's try. Let's see if we can cover what all the news has been in just a single week. It's been a little bit of a busy week, maybe not as busy, just about right. Not too small, not too big, just about right. Something us North American fans have been waiting on for uh, a month since it was first announced over in Europe is that patch and extra downloadable content for the Vita version of Battle of Z, enabling the Japanese voice support. The Japanese version of the game, of course, shipped with Japanese voices because it's in Japan and that's the cast for their game. The console version worldwide shipped with optional English and Japanese voices. The Vita version, unfortunately, shipped internationally outside Japan as English dubbed only. And then we did get word about a month ago from the UK branch of Bandai Namco Games that a patch and DLC would be coming. And they were really the only ones talking about it. We inquired here at Konzenshu with the North American branch of Bandai Namco. And to be honest, they seemed a little caught off guard. Like, uh, we didn't know. Hold on, we'll get back to you on that. And they never did. And here it is. So you can go download it right now. The uh, the patch for it, 1.01, actually went out there a week early, but there was no DLC to actually grab to then enable it. That is out there now. It is a free download. So European fans and North American fans, I'm assuming that applies to the rest of the international market. I can't say I've actually checked every PlayStation store, but you can grab it, a free download. You got your Japanese voices over in Battle of Z. And hey, speaking of Battle of Z on the Vita, long time 
uh, listeners of the show remember my good buddy Andrew Deluxe been on uh, a few times in the past. I remember early on we did a, a really good gender roles episode. Definitely go back and check that out. Uh, gender roles in Japan and in Dragon Ball. Uh, kind of an earlier topic, but a good one. Andrew actually got me when PlayStation Plus first started a subscription to the service, I think as a Christmas present. And I've been stuck on the service ever since. This is coming from someone who owns multiple systems, multiple companies. I think PlayStation Plus is just a pretty phenomenal deal and something very consumer friendly and pro consumer in every respect. I'm kind of shocked Sony gets away with as much as they do with it. It's a pretty good deal. So that's enough of my shilling for a service I have nothing to do with. If you are a PlayStation Plus member, you have even better deals on really good sales coming your way next week in celebration of Golden Week over in Japan. Both Battle of Z on the PS3 and the Vita will be discounted. So right now, Battle of Z is still kind of full retail price, $59.99 and $39.99 respectively on PS3 and Vita. The sale price for Golden Golden Week will be $29.99 and $19.99, again, PS3 and Vita respectively. And then if you have PlayStation Plus on top of that, it's a full 50% off of that. So you're looking at the digital version of Battle of Z at $15 and the digital version, which is the only one that exists here, of Battle of Z on the Vita at $10. Go back and check out podcast episode. It was 357. Myself and Kieran, Lord Moonstone, who you actually heard recently doing the J-Stars Victory Versus review, Kieran and I reviewed Battle of Z podcast 357 and check that out and see if you're interested in that game. If you are and you have not picked it up, and even if it's just a little curiosity, especially for you plus uh, subscribers, $15 and $10, not a bad deal. I'm even thinking, that's the kind of thing, it's like I own the, the retail version of Battle of Z. Do I just get the digital version just to have it accessible? Um, because I'm, I'm dumb like that. And if you're into other games, there's a lot of good sales coming up. Uh, I know the Ease game on Vita is going to be pretty cheap. And of course, everyone's always talking about Persona 4 Golden, which you heard me talking about Mary playing recently, so check that out. Uh, so that's enough about PlayStation shilling. Again, I have no association with Sony or the PlayStation brand. I just think Plus is a, a pretty darn good deal for folks, so check that out next week. That starts uh, actually, no, it's this week. It starts on Tuesday, so probably when this is going up, so over the next week. Check out that sale if you are interested. So then we'll wrap up the video game news. Uh, Ultimate Mission 2 we've known about formally announced over in Japan for the Nintendo 3DS. We actually knew a release date due to some early leaks of the 2014 number 21 issue of Weekly Shonen Jump in Japan. And then the June 2014 issue of V-Jump that came out uh, about a week ago on the 21st confirmed that release date. August 7th, Ultimate Mission 2 hitting Japan on the 3DS. Uh, it's going to be 5,690 yen, so a little under $60 there. The big update here was we got cover art for the game. Front and center, Super Saiyan 4, Goku. That makes sense. The big JM updates, the Jaco to You missions, the Evil Dragon missions, they are heavily focused around Dragon Ball GT. Uh, we also have Super Saiyan Goku and then Little Goku, uh, Child Goku from the uh, first part of the series, along with some of the other updated hero avatar designs. That is your cover for Ultimate Mission 2. I got mine on pre-order. I still don't own that Japanese 3DS and I keep saying next time Julian comes to the country he's probably going to have to grab me one. So now I've got Ultimate Mission 1. I guess I'll just skip over that entirely to Ultimate Mission 2. And I do have J-Legend Retsuden. I want to get some Super Butoden 2 action on my 3DS. Stupid region locking. Yes, the 3DS is region locked. Unlike all the prior Nintendo portable hardware, it's uh, really sad that they went that route. So you will need a Japanese system to play 
play the Japanese game. There we go. Release date, August 7th. Cover art looking pretty good. And then just two more little bits of news, kind of fun stuff here. This got passed around the Dragon Ball Science event that's going to be in Nagoya this summer uh, in the 2014 number 21 issue of Weekly Shonen Jump. That's where this was revealed. So from July 16th to August 31st, adults, 1,200 yen, high school, university students, 800 yen, and then 500 yen for the elementary and junior high students. You will be able to ride your own kintone and fire your own kamehameha. We have no idea what this actually has to do with science in any way. I guess we're going to have to send Julian off to Nagoya to cover this. At least he has kids and can do it in the guise of it's a fun kid event, right? So maybe we can at least get some fun photos of his kids firing off Kamehameha. We have no idea what this is about. It's crazy, isn't it? words escaped gone so let's close it out with uh, the last bit of news this last week is dragon ball kai related sort of kinda uh the full length version of the music video for dear zarathustra the uh the new closing theme to dragon ball kai in the boo arc by the japanese band good morning america they just threw it up on youtube and surprisingly it's not region locked i'm checking it again right now just to double check it is not region locked it's the official upload from the official channel so you can check out that uh, the CD single is not going to be out until May 6th. Though at this point, that's pretty soon. But this is your first look at the full-length version of that song. So uh, definitely check that out. And in conjunction with that, Julian did update the lyrics to the song. What's kind of notable and really fun is that uh, extra lyrics that are in the full-length version that are not in the TV-length version really seem to talk about Boo. Let me read a couple lines here for you. If I could take not just joy, but suffering too, and turn it into gummy candy and eat it, then both my body and heart should be able to transcend who I am now. If that's not an allusion to Boo, I really don't know what is. So uh, definitely check that out. Again, the CD single will be out in a little over uh, a week or so here into the next month, into May 2014. So that is your news, the Dragon Ball news for this last week. I'm finally going to add a voice to the mix of this episode. Here is your topic right now, talking about Bardock with Lance. So this is a topic that uh, it's one of those that I've promised for a long time. And unlike some of the other ones, such as Broly and GT Review of Awesomeness number four, we're actually doing this one. Uh, I was teasing it last podcast episode. Bardock is a character that may or may not still be a character. So to talk about him joining me, the man of many names, I call you Lance. People on the forum call you Gaffer Tape. People on YouTube call you Mister Fusion. What would you like to be called here? I'd be happy to be called Lance today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, just, I just like to confuse people as much as humanly possible. Yeah, that's fine. I understand what that's like. Man, you have... Here's the thing. You've written many wonderful things about Bardock, and I'm like, I agree with that person. Let me bring them on the show to regurgitate my own feelings back at me so I feel smart. And that's a little bit of what I'm doing here, but maybe I can find some things to disagree with you on. Well, that new Dragon Ball Minus thing has come out, and I'm not sure what your opinions on that are yet, so... <laughs> well, I actually just published my review of Jocko plus Dragon Ball Minus today. It's not really live on the site. It's technically live, but it's not really linked anywhere yet. So good. You haven't read it yet. You don't know what I think. We'll <laughs> talk a little bit about that. We will address Dragon Ball Minus, but I don't want you to think of this as a Dragon Ball Minus review. It's more a little bit of a history of how Bardock has been handled throughout lots of Dragon Ball media. I mean, he appeared in one place and he's appeared in many places since. And now especially that Dragon Ball Minus is out and even more especially especially in light of how he was treated 
in episode of Bardock. I mean, he's got his own little manga series there. He's a very confused character, I think. I'm, I'm very confused. <laughs> I know, man. So Bardock started, we've talked about this a lot on the show. Bardock is one of those things that I've done so much research and documentation on that I feel he's a little bit a part of me in a way. It's Bardock feels that way to me. Plan to eradicate the science feels that way to me. I, I've just, I've been in it too deep too long so I kind of don't have the right perspective anymore so so Bardock started in 1991 the Bardock TV special aired on TV in between a couple random Dragon Ball Z episodes now Bardock was an interesting case because he was not created by Akira Toriyama he was edited by Toriyama and then perhaps more differently than anything else created for the animated adaptation he was brought into the manga afterwards so you can read the whole story on uh Kanzenshu. we've got i mean the early drafts and what was changed but basically bardock was developed by a team at toei for the tv special all the designs were done by katsuyoshi nakatsuru someone we've talked extensively uh about here on Kanzenshu. toriyama came in and said uh change this change this and i'm gonna change everyone's names and all right go and so the tv special aired and this is one of the few things where Toriyama has come out and said quite a few things about it and he's very consistent when he talks about it. One of the first things that he ever said was in one of the uh, pre-Daisenshu days in one of the early guy books. I think it was the Dragon Ball Z special two book. This is the one where he said he watched it and he cried. And then he is later quoted in a Daisenshu interview saying, yes, I loved it uh, a lot. It's very different from the kind of story that I would write. Um, we've heard many times that Toriyama cannot write or prefers not to write, I suppose is the best way to say it. Uh, a romantic story or a dark story and the Bardock TV special definitely falls in the darker spectrum of a Dragon Ball story. And then as recently as the uh, special selection DVD in 2011, that was the uh, kind of budget price. There's a thousand yen DVD in Japan. It had the Bardock and the Trunks TV specials. It had a comment from Toriyama. It's pretty much the same thing he's always said where it was, you know, I didn't make this character. I really liked it. There you go. I mean, I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. I hope you go back and read all these comments. Uh, if you haven't already, so you can really become familiar with them. But here is a case of Toriyama kind of giving his stamp of approval. And really, the stamp of approval is in two ways. It's almost a literal stamp of approval where he redesigned the character slightly and fixed up all the teammate names and said go. And then there's this kind of metaphorical stamp of approval where he says he enjoyed it. And here we are in 2014, post episode of Bardock, post Dragon Ball Minus. So Lance, let's start with the Bardock TV special itself. How would you describe Bardock as a character? Kind of how we always thought we knew Bardock. Well, the, the way Bardock is in the special um, and, and what works about it as a standalone entity, there, there's, there's something, and this is sort of dancing around the subject, but it's uh, there's something I, I prefer to call prequelitis. Yeah, where, yeah. Any, where, where any, anytime someone draw or writes a prequel, it has this expectation of oh, we we got to show everything, we got to you know tie everything together and bring all these connections and everything, and so there's this tendency to have oh well this this character knew this character and oh this character was special too, and the the parent of this character is this most amazing guy type of thing, and and the Bardock specials 
is interesting to me because it it does its best. It almost like walks that tightrope the entire time. Well, here's this guy who gets psychic powers and he's the last guy to stand up to Frieza. But at the same time, what's fascinating to me is that the whole point of it is that he's just... He's a normal working schlub. I mean, he's a mass murdering working schlub, but, but he's just, <laughs> right. he's just, he's just, he, you know, he's, he's just like, uh, he's, he's a mook. And, and even though he does get these cool powers and does get this insight into the future and what's going to happen, he doesn't really affect anything. He, he tries, but ultimately he fails and he's pretty much forgotten. I mean, even, even when, you know, even when it's brought back up in the manga, it's still, oh, nobody knew who this guy was. Frieza didn't know he was Goku's father. Goku didn't know he was thinking about his father. It's just this this dude who tried to do something and got shut down. And that's a very different type of story for Dragon Ball, because it's all shown in spirit. And if you try really hard, you're going to win the day and find the new power-up within you. But it's just, oh, wow, he, he didn't win. And now the story goes on. <laughs> we, we didn't get a lead character does not win again until 2013. It's interesting that we have one <laughs> back in 1991. Yeah, I love that kind of, uh, I guess you just call it an analysis of Bardock in this TV special where he's just a dude and yeah, he got a couple special things, but what's special about him is that he's not really that special. He could have been anyone else and it just so happens that maybe he's figuring things out, but maybe that's a little bit the psychic maybe that's his own intuition it's it almost doesn't matter and also i was very careful not to do the whole oh it's goku's father so he's really this really awesome wonderful guy too and he's he's gonna see the error of his ways and get written into tons of flowery fan fiction where he's you know jumping around and hanging out with his son and taking him to a baseball game you see <laughs> me like he again it's that tightrope where, where they they make him sympathetic where it's like, oh, this sucks that he's going through this and that he has this perspective. But at the same time, it never really whitewashes away the fact that he's not that great of a guy. He's he's still a killer. He's still, you know, he still likes to destroy planets for a living, but we can still relate to him, but he's not this role model. No, I actually want to bring up, believe it or not, uh, Battle Powers here. Maybe a slightly compared to other oh characters. Oh my gosh. I feel like the Bardock special makes it a point to point out that Bardock is neither super weak nor super strong. He's mm -hmm. just like anyone else. And yeah, he has some companions, some teammates. It seems like he's sort of the leader by default. They all possibly kind of defer to him in certain ways. Like they ask his opinion and like, hey, what are you doing over there, Bardock? So it, it feels that way. But he's not Kakarot's style of power where he's just so low and they make it pretty clear that Vegeta himself is just so special and amazing beyond anyone else. Bardock's just one of the other dudes they have shipped off over there. Although, although if, you, if, you, if you do want to get into the numbers for a second, because I uh -huh. have heard this coming up, I have heard this coming up on threads recently, is uh -huh. the uh, the fact that he's at ten thousand, which is over twice as high as someone like Nappa, who's supposed to be at four thousand, I believe. <laughs> right. So, so, right. so, 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 even for this. Yeah, you know, even though we're talking about, oh, he's just a regular guy, he's just this low-class nothing, they still gave him a pretty decent decent power number-wise. Right, and I guess then we get into a little bit of the class system and some of the explanations we had versus some of the additional information we get later, and again, that's just knowing too much. They're really trying to say he's just a dude, and they almost yeah. complicate it by, oh, crap, we have to tie in these numbers. Yeah. Why'd you throw in a number? Why'd you do that? <laughs> right. It's like the entire rest of the series. It would have been better off if we just never said a number. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about Bardock as a character. I look at him, I think my first 
vision of Bardock, if you will, when I think of him, is uh, when he first kind of sits up after that fight. He's chewing on something and he's just so nonchalant about everything, including the birth of his own son. Well, I, actually, it was it was funny. I, I was on a long car trip this past weekend for Easter, and I took some podcasts with me to pass the time. Oh, did you? And, and I think the, the one of the one one of the ones I listened to was uh, last year you did for Father's Day uh, a father's uh, a comparison of all the different fathers oh, of Dragon right. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, Bardock was on there uh-huh. uh, because I mean, even though even though Goku is not a very not a very major character in terms of in terms of screen time, obviously a, a lot of what people pick take away from this this special is is his relationship with Goku, yeah, and you know based on his visions and also a lot of his uh, battle power scum. Uh, who cares? You know, like, I'm I'm on a planet. I, I, I Salapa's like, hey, you want to check on the birth of your son? Meh, nah, whatever. Right. He's just some guy. You know, I gave birth. He has my hair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty much nonchalant about most things. You know, he attacks a planet. He's just, you know, that's eh, my job. Son's born. Eh, it's just a job. And you know, and again, that's I think that's part of his character growth. Is in you know, until he's given a reason to care, and then when suddenly he becomes proactive, he's still he's he's just kind of doing his thing, and you're not really questioning anything or having much passion about anything well let's talk a little bit about that being given a reason to care as nonchalant as he is when we see his teammates attacked and killed bardock does get this sense of something i'm not sure how or what to take away from the way that bardock responds do you think it was a sense of friendship or was it just a sense of dodoria and of course by extension frieza went over my head and they did this and my teammates left without me and then this happened and i just feel stupid like what is your take on that whole situation uh, I'm, I'm sort of reminded of vegeta and the way he'd say something like oh i don't i don't care about my family and stuff i just care about the way i was used mm-hmm. but but at the same time i mean I, I i can imagine bardock saying that publicly if he was asked sure sure but but you know i mean there, there is definitely a good moment especially with him and toma where he I mean, obviously, there's that iconic bandana, yep. you know, that the, the, the Toma has around his arm that he wipes off, you know, his blood off of, and then wears it for the rest of the special. I, 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 I don't think that it's a conflict of interest to say that this is a this is a really terrible mass murdering piece of crap. But he can still care about his comrades. I, I don't, I don't think those, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. That you can kill people you don't know and also sure. still have a connection to your teammates. So I, I would definitely say that he, he cares about them, and I, I'm sure he's pissed off about about the whole you know Dodoria you know betraying them thing too but i think there's something personal there i don't i don't think it's far fetched to say that he does care about them. And then how about his perhaps cyan pride? Or is it just more of, I found out what's going on and uh, I'm being betrayed on a personal level and then by extension on a race level? Oh, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's hard not, not for me to think about Vegeta because he's really the only pure mm-hmm. cyan we, we know really well. Uh, and, and so I'm sort of extrapolating based on that. But if if... If he does have, if he is said to possess the same or a similar level of pride to that, then yeah, I could definitely see that. It's it's it's, it's just hard to say based on what we know for sure about him. But I, I I say it wouldn't be a stretch to assume that. Oh yeah, there's definitely some some pride. Definitely some. Uh, I'm trying to remember like how Bardock's team was talking pretty pretty reverently towards Freeze at the beginning of the special. It, yeah, it they absolutely like the, were. I think it was. Panbu Kim was like, ah, and, and that's all these great planets, you know, yeah, he's yeah. letting us do all this fun 
stuff. I think so he says, that, oh, we, we should make sure we give thanks to Frieza. I mean, I'm, I'm not remembering yeah. the line exactly, but there's definitely an appreciation. I guess the way I would take that is they're appreciative for Frieza giving them the chance to be complete assholes. Yeah, which which, which is very different from someone from like from someone like Vegeta who's like, eh, I'm just going along with this until I get it, you know. And, and also, I just thought about this is different from how he's depicted in Dragon Ball Minus, not to get ahead of the yeah, sure. of that, but yeah, it's very much a uh, the keep your voice down, we don't let Frieza to hear, you know, mm-hmm. when we're talking smack about him. This this Bardock is very much up until the moment that he figures out that Frieza is going right. to betray him. It's like, yeah, Frieza's giving us exactly what we want right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll hail Frieza. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit then as the TV special wraps up. We'll kind of wrap up our our take on Bardock from the TV special, and that's his perhaps changed growing thought, not quite relationship with his son. We see Bardock seeing a type of vision that Goku will come up against Frieza. Do you think from what very, very little we see there, I mean, it's Bardock sees it, he chuckles, he says his son's name, and... As far as we know, he's dead. Do you think he's <laughs> glad that it's his son that's going to be able to do it? Is he glad that anyone at all is going to be able to do it? Like, it, it could be anyone. It could be Vegeta, and he would be happy with it. What do you think there? Uh, I, I think it's both. I I think in that moment, he probably could be happy if it was anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if it, you know, if it was Vegeta. You know, as, as long as Frieza gets his comeuppance, I don't think he's that that picky about it. But at the same time, I, I, I think there is a special sort of... <laughs> it's a nice bonus. Pride. Yeah, it's like, okay, I, you know you know how like the, you know, the sports stars, you know, where parents living vicariously through their kids kind of sure. thing? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of like that. Well, you know, I failed, but hey, you know, at least the spot on my loins, you know, it, it reflects reflects well on me. Yeah, you know, obviously, obviously, I, I had something in me that can, <laughs> you know, lead to something that can kill Frieza. <laughs> sure, sure. So I guess then just in a sentence or two, having said all that, how would you sum up who Bardock was and who we thought Bardock was for the longest time? He's a person that required a push, uh, a, a really strong motivation to really figure out who he was. And it's not even that he had some sort of epiphany as to what he was doing was wrong, but just something to really get his butt in gear to, to, to really strive for something outside of what it is that he was always expected to strive for. And, and so he's sort of that underdog, every man, not hero, but protagonist mm-hmm. that just has an unattainable goal. And we can relate to that. And that was Bardock for the longest time. Uh, Bardock was thrown into video game after video game for a while. There's a, a period of time where it's like, all right, let's throw in Broly and Bardock. And if you got any story mode stuff for either of them, it was just from their TV special or their movie. We would see scenes from the TV. I mean, played out polygonal graphics and stuff. Just it was the Bardock TV special. And then Bardock would fight Frieza and that would be the fight. There was just more Bardock and more Bardock and more Bardock until episode of Bardock from Naho Oishi. So this was, as I'm sure you know, if you've been listening, following the site for a long period of time, a three chapter, they called it a sequel that Naho Oishi, who these days is primarily doing Dragon Ball SD, she did this in V-Jump and it's been collected a few times over the years, that told a new story in which Bardock does not die 
at the end of the TV special, but is in fact sent back in time and appears to be the first Super Saiyan of legend. At least that seems to be what the conclusion that you might want to draw from what Chilled says at the very end anyway, is seems to be, oh, this is now the legend being passed on through Chilled's family. And, uh, and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit. And we'll skip around a little bit, but we'll try to separate the products here. Right as we were learning about Dragon Ball Minus, you think about that short little Q&A when Oishi is talking about Bardock, they're starting to introduce what Dragon Ball Minus will be. And it's just an interview and it's just text. But Toriyama has this one little one-off thing where he says something like, you really like Bardock, don't you? Yes, she really loves Bardock. And maybe that's where all this is coming from. Maybe she's the one who's like, he's the one I want to do something with. But let's step back. So episode of Bardock started as this three-chapter manga. It got an animated adaptation. It got two extra pages based on that animated adaptation. It's pretty much the same thing. Tell me who Bardock is in episode of Bardock, Lance. Uh, without putting too fine a point on it, I'd say that Bardock in this an episode of Bardock is uh, a fan fiction character. <laughs> I want to say that he does feel like it's the same character, but definitely written by someone else and definitely with, I want to say an ulterior motive, but definitely a different idea of where they wanted this character to go. It's it's in a way taking. I mean, I don't want I don't want to get like too vitriolic about this. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna try to choose this, choose words carefully, but it's it's I, I can certainly see a lot of love for Bardock from from Oishi, and actually I, I remember in your uh, your 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 review that you wrote for the site when it came out, yeah, uh-huh. uh, I I I I'm pretty sure you were comparing the art styles at the time, saying it had a, had a slightly more feminine flair. But I think there was one quote where you said that it's it's so reminded you of like the sort of bishonen archetype that you expected doves to fly across, <laughs> yeah, exactly, fly across a panel at some point. He's got even, that kind smile as he's turning his head and like for a while I bought that this was Bardock in this one panel it's like, I, I, I hate to fall back on the stereotypes that it almost sound, it almost kind of makes me fall feel like that trope of all girls want bad boys kind of thing oh, I mean you've heard Mary on the show she's like oh he's got the scar he's so sexy like, oh what, what a terrible guy but about? he just needs a little bit of love and he's gonna I can change the, him I can change him <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a little, let's get these cute little alien kids to run around him and, and say, oh, I uh-huh. love you, Bodoxon! <laughs> and <laughs> right, he'll, he'll right. be the hero he was meant to be. All right, so so let's really break it down then. What does Bardock do in episode of Bardock that makes you feel like he's a different character? For, from from a narrative standpoint, I, I could say the one thing he does that he doesn't do in the other special is that he he wins. <laughs> okay, fair point. <laughs> I, and, and it's, it sounds like those those are almost two separate things, the narrative and the character. But obviously, those those are all the factors that come together to create who he is. And and obviously, he's, he's being built up in this special as as being as opposed to the sort of doomed warrior who's doing whatever he can to save the day and fail. He's like he's less proactive at the beginning. He's, he's I, w- I want to get away from this. I don't want to mm-hmm. help. I don't want to be related to you guys. And they have to drag him in, kicking and say, "Oh, come on, help us, help us!" And finally, he steps forward, and then he's transforms and. Kills the guy and you know becomes the hero, and it's, it's almost the opposite of what it was in the Bardock special, where he was doing everything in his power before and couldn't make the cut. As now this time, it's I don't want to do anything, but I'll come in and kick this guy's butt at the last minute, kind of 
thing. And, you know, it's terrible going back to the original serialization of it when the notes on the page would say things like, and in the next chapter, will he dot 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 question mark exclamation point? Like we know where this is going. This this Bardock is a, is, a, is the kind of person who both both can win and also can sort of literally walk off into the sunset (laughs) (laughs) and and almost depending on your logistics of time travel here almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy like what what, i'm not sure you know he he becomes the thing that causes frieza to later on destroy them which sends which is what sends him back in time and the oh god time we we have an awful paradox going on yep oh either that or he went into a different timeline entirely and so nothing that happens here relates back to our regular dragon ball timeline anyway so everything was irrelevant and and he he, he did nothing at all (laughs) all right then what similar traits do you see where you think maybe this could be the same Bardock. What did Oishi pull in that did feel like Bardock? Okay, well, it is obviously trying to be a direct sequel to the Bardock special. There's nothing there that explicitly contradicts, I don't think, who Bardock is. It's just Bardock being plucked out of one genre and being thrown into a different genre, I think, and then going, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, (laughs) well, he literally is for about a chapter. So he still has vestiges of that. I don't want to be here. I don't want to help people. I, he's, he's not, at least coming into it, he's, he's still the same kind of, I look out for number one kind of thing, and I'm just trying to get along in this whatever the hell's happening right now thing. So, so, mm-hmm. it's, so it, I, I, uh, even, even though I make fun of it, and I do think I'm, well, I make fun of it and also being serious about the fact that I think this does ch- shift the way Bardock is perceived and the way he's portrayed, it, it isn't like he comes in there going, I'm going to be the hero now and I'm going to stand up for all that is wrong and unjust. You know, mm-hmm. There's still definitely enough of that, enough of that character that I, I can buy that he's there. I just don't like the way the story turns or like basically takes the message from the Bardock special and goes, ah, screw that. He's supposed to win. He's the he's the hero in the end, right? So it really is Oishi taking him and saying, I can change him. I can change him. She, <laughs> she can change him. She's the author. <laughs> Right, she can do whatever she wants, I suppose. Well, and that was episode of Bardock, and that was a little bit of, all right, we thought we knew the character. Okay, at least in this case, it's a different author, so we can still separate the character out if we want. And there was so little Bardock in Toriyama's original manga, it was just those two panels that didn't contradict and especially did not add anything from the Bardock TV special, where it was, if you want it, it was kind of two ways you could take those two panels one is the raw facts that bardock is goku's father and goku's father went up against frieza that's pretty much it maybe those just happened or if you want to take it as yeah the bardock special exactly as we saw it yeah it happened that way and toriyama said it was cool so all right cool i'm good too and then episode of bardock happens like all right i'll separate these out and you're pretty good for a while and here we are post jocko post complete jocko with dragon ball minus and this is another one that i was just teasing is uh maybe we need to revisit the idea of canonicity and continuity <laughs> something that i've been, i feel like i've been talking a lot about lately is this concept of a canon for the series the easiest way and i think the most widely accepted idea of what is canon? All right, the 42 volumes, 519 chapters, plus Trunks' story, as written by Toriyama with his own pen, 
published in Jump. And that was the easiest thing for a while because if you wanted to disregard the movies, someone might want to take them, but they could also be like, I understand where you're coming from. We live in a very different world. We have an updated Kanzenban ending that Toriyama drew himself. We have Toriyama basically rewriting the entire story of Battle of Gods. We have him tossing ideas here and there for other things. We have him still going back and still approving of the Bardock TV special. Then we get Jocko, which is an entirely new series, drawn by Toriyama, written by Toriyama. Oh, holy crap, this is a Dragon Ball prequel. Do you accept that into your idea of what the continuity is? And now we have Dragon Ball Minus. Same thing. It's Dragon Ball. It's written by Toriyama. It's written by Toriyama alone. He did it. He published it. It's Dragon Ball. Wow, this completely contradicts every single last thing we thought we knew about Bardock, about Bardock's story, but Toriyama wrote it. And you're just left scratching your head. This is a really weird thing because in terms of Dragon Ball fandom, it's almost kind of unprecedented in a way. And totally. I, 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 I always, I always think about. I'm pretty sure it's Busani on on the forums who always, anytime the canon debate comes up, is always is always the one who's saying, "Well, you have to think of it as as being canon to something." And then and then Busani always brings up uh, the Tenchi Muyo series. Which, which is very clearly delineated as in this event happens in this continuity, which is totally separate from this continuity, which is separate from this continuity. And so obviously right. this event is not canon to this thing in this TV series, but it is canon to this manga or this OVA. And, and it's, it's pretty easy to follow. It's, you know, it's confusing if you're just jumping into it, but it's always, you right. know, very, it's very clear as to what everything belongs to. But in terms of Dragon Ball, what well, we've had, you know, up till now, just both, you know, the manga and the TV series, the TV series, aside from the things that it adds, al- was almost exactly a panel for panel, you know, what the manga was. And if any deviation right. was just like, oh, well, that's just, you know, but it's still obviously telling the exact same story overall. So it's easy to go, oh, that's just filler. That's, you know, that's why it doesn't make sense. Right, right. You, t- you get things like Dr. Frapp, which is the classic example of, well, that was made for the TV version. Toriyama clearly ignored it. All right. Just filler. Ignore. Yep. Uh, this is like the first, I think this is the first time where it's really been, this is a story. This is telling this event of this thing. Oh, but now this is an entirely different retelling of the exact same events. And there's no way you can actually, these two things can jive together now. Right, right. I mean, we've had certain things like, and we talked about this when Jocko was first being published, was that final chapter of Jocko where we see Goku. We've always been able to say, well, the way we see Goku there, that does not contradict anything that Toriyama himself drew in the manga. The difference here is Bardock is not his character. Bardock's story was not his story. He had thoughts on that story, and it just doesn't work. Uh, and I always, I always find I say this so often in my Dragon Ball dissection videos. Shameless plug. Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I think, I, but before I saw the Bardock special, I'd read Curtis Hoffman's summaries on uh-huh. that thing, <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure he'd mentioned at some point, and this is before I'd seen it or even read like a really detailed synopsis of it, where he he put a, he put the question out there of, well, it doesn't necessarily say in the manga that. You know the te- the any of the telepathy or the future telling any of that right, kind of stuff right. explicitly happened. So whether or not that happens kind of up in the air. Um, and so I, even before I saw the special, I sort of had that 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 thought in the back of my head where it's like, okay, well, 
maybe Toriyama's saying that all this happened, maybe he's saying it didn't. And so even even with the last chapter of Jago where it showed, you know, as you said, the different type of Goku that sort of doesn't, you know, mesh with what we saw in the Bardock special, I was sort of thinking, okay, well, again, this doesn't really, you know, contradict anything that we saw there, but it sort of hinted at this might be the way the wind is blowing in terms of where Bardock is. Yeah, yeah. But the fact the fact that he said so many glowing things about the Bardock special over the years, the fact that he did the thing. explicitly yeah. explicitly reference the Bardock special, even uh, ex- ex- even though it was only those two panels and didn't really go into huge details, I can definitely see why so many people are going. Well, wait, this isn't the Bardock special. Isn't the Bardock special in here? Why does this not? You know, why why is this not the Bardock special? Why does this totally contradict the Bardock special? And I can definitely see why people would think, and why why it's perfectly logical to think that this is supposed to fit in here. You know, the question, again, this kind of ties in and out with the idea of a canon. So, I mean, we'll readdress a lot of these questions, you know, throughout various topics. But um, this kind of addresses that point of, all right, has anyone ever come out and said, this counts, this doesn't count? And we've had so few examples. I always point to, all right, in the introduction for the Dragon Ball GT Dragon Box, that's where we got Toriyama saying GT is a grand side story. We had the publicity manager in the press release for Battle of Gods saying it's part of the official history. Implicitly, we had Toriyama say the Bardock special happened by including it. So it's like we keep saying, it's all these, he included it, he said great things about it, and now he just completely disregarded it. What do I do? hope that's rhetorical because I, I still have no idea. No, it, it, it totally is. So and, and we're not here to talk about the canon question as much as we kind of are. So where I want to go with you in this discussion is who is Bardock in Dragon Ball Minus? Um, Because I don't know. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, that's actually a very good launching point because I don't know who Bardock is. I mean, I have I have glimpses of who he is. And it almost would make more sense if this was something about branching off of the Bardock special, because then at least you could, you could take that Bardock and sort of extrapolate your knowledge from him over onto Dragon Ball Minus's Bardock. But it's kind of clear that this is such a different, uh, this guy has such a different set of priorities and different mindset that that what you see here is pretty much all you have for this Bardock, and it's only only a few pages. And so, who who is this guy? I'm not really sure. He, he cares about his son. He cares about his wife. Um, that's about all I need. That's about all I know about him. Is that he's a, he's a guy who kind of doesn't like Frieza, I guess, and has 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 some decent intuition about what Frieza thinks. And, right. and cares about his family. And that's, that's pretty much all I know about this Bardock. I'm pretty sure you said something similar, and I ended up writing this in my review as well. So I know we're on the same wavelength in that Dragon Ball Minus is not much of a story. We we don't get much of these characters. We get these it's, it's backstory. Little, it is. There's surface level traits for these characters where it's love son can fight. The end. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I feel that Toriyama, well, if he had a story, that there's, it's an ambitious story and a bit too ambitious to be able to tell and the amount of pages he has. Yeah. Cause I mean, every, cause everything feels like point, 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 point. It's like we get three panels of Frieza moving on. We got, we got one panel of Raditz and Vegeta. Hurry up and get out of the way because we got to make room for, for Gine. Gine. Who's Gine? Oh, she's, she's Goku's mother. Okay. We'll get her out of the way. We got, we got Bardock to deal with. <laughs> and it's all just like, we got to hit this, got to hit this, got to hit this because we're running out of pages here. Yeah. You know, something that we haven't addressed in this podcast episode, but is very, very relevant is Trunks. I mean, we sort of mentioned it. Trunks, the story mm-hmm. happened in the manga first, got an animated adaptation that is mostly 
the same, except for kind of that one key point. That's how did Trunks turn Super Saiyan? So the difference here is Trunks started manga, changed for anime, versus Bardock started anime, changed for manga. Trunks, the story is very, very similar in that respect. Yep, though, I, where I, I never realized point, that point, until point. I read this. And until I read this, it made me go think about the Trunks because, because again, I, I, I think I, I think I'd seen the Trunks uh, the seen the trunk special first before I actually got oh, to read it in the manga. Yeah, yeah. And so again, my mind is sort of retroactively reapplying all this uh-huh. stuff in here. But when I actually take it on its own merits, it's kind of the same thing. It's, well, we're training. Oh, Gohan's dead. Oh, Trunks is sad. Oh, Trunks fights the artificial humans. We don't get to see it. And oh, okay, well, he's moving on to the, he's going back to the past now. And it's, it's all just sort of, well, you know the story. Now we're sort yeah. of just, this, this is how this happened point by point. It, it all just feels like bullet points. So is this a case of Toriyama failing to do exactly what he says he doesn't like to do, which is write those serious dark stories? I, I, I think so in a way that, that it's it's Toriyama trying to write a prequel and kind of falling into the prequelitis of then of showing that, oh, this is how everything happened, but not thinking as much about, oh, I have a story to tell here. It's all about, well, aren't the fans going to like seeing how all this comes together? But story's kind of in the back seat. And that's what I love so much about Jocko is it's 10 chapters of, you know, where this is going. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be told. You can clearly see where this is going. It's its own story mm-hmm. and it's a fun story in and of itself with these characters. And if you know those ties, it has some extra meaning, except for wait, tights never mentioned what's going on here. So <laughs> you got a little bit of that mm-hmm. kind of uh, why are we doing all this? And then even in the plus one chapter with all the legitimate Dragon Ball stuff, it's still enough of Jocko's own story. By Toriyama showing literal redrawn panels from the actual Dragon Ball manga, I feel like he's not overstepping his boundaries. And yeah, we get that kind of now classic shot of him still in his armor on Gohan's table, and that starts the what's going on questions. But overall, Jocko is Jocko's story until Dragon Ball Minus. So I don't want to make this too much a Dragon Ball Minus review, but does Dragon Ball Minus belong in Jocko? I mean, it's got some really good Jocko stuff in it. Uh, it's funny, I was about to say, it does it does make me wonder, uh, talking about this in terms of the fact that Jocko is such its own story, such a, such a, it, it seemed like it was a story that Toriyama wanted to tell, and it does make you wonder if the Dragon Ball stuff was kind of bootstrapped into it at the last minute kind of thing, where it's, because it's so different from Trunks' story, where it's like, oh, I, I gotta get all this, connections to drag you know to the story i'm telling out here without telling my own story jocko is very much i'm telling a story right now and it just happens to have dragon ball stuff in it and it's it's almost almost seems like that's not the way toriyama's been doing things in terms of prequels up until this point where it's just like here's a story and there's other stuff in here but it's not like oh it's not consuming the story it's here We've been talking a lot here about Dragon Ball Minus as a whole and its ties to Jago and its ties to everything. I still want to keep pulling it back to the Bardock. Bardock. I I love having all this other context. Mm -hmm. I think it really sets the stage for who this Bardock is. But like we were saying, I don't know that we can talk about who Bardock is in Dragon Ball Minus because we don't know enough about him. We don't know him. We don't know Gine. We don't know his teammate's name. Yeah, (laughs) who is that guy? (laughs) Who's that guy over there? So what is there to say about Bardock in Dragon Ball Minus other than, well, 
I guess no one knows who Bardock is. If if we if we are to take this as part of the manga continuity, if we are, uh, then that it's it's so contradictory to everything else Bardock. Then obviously you can't tie these two together. So again, it's just what we have of what we know about Bardock is what we see in the few pages of Dragon Ball minus. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Two years. Um, it, it almost seems like if it wasn't for the fact that it contradicted itself, so it contradicted everything else so much, um, that it'd be like, well, you know, Bardock, just extrapolate what you know from here and put it in there, but you can't do that. So, yeah. it, so, so you see, so you almost, it's almost like you're being introduced to a brand new character here, even though we've known a Bardock going on a quarter of a century now. And that's something I, I touched on briefly in the review, where it's all right. If we're going to look at Dragon Ball Minus, we have to compartmentalize. We have to set aside the Bardock that we thought we knew. But it really is impossible, isn't it? I mean, just our own 25 years, basically familiarity with Bardock here, plus Toriyama's implicit and explicit approval of past versions of Bardock. It's just, I don't know what to do with Bardock, man. Bardock, the way he was meant to be seen. I don't know. Bardock was sure a character. Was he a character here? <laughs> I don't know. He's not much of one in the manga, uh, apparently. Uh, I, I, yeah, I feel, I feel like we're kind of losing ground on this one because we're try, like, desperately trying to find things to talk I mean, I guess the only... It's it's hard not to just turn into a whole whole Dragon Ball minus thing and its implications on the Dragon Ball universe as a whole because it's really hard yeah. really hard to fo- zero in on on Bardock. Yeah, all Dragon Ball minus is like you said, it's just story point story point. There's there's no character there to drive anything else. I mean, I guess is there a way to just really compare Bardocks? I guess at this point to say. How this Bardock differs from the previous Bardock? Sure. I mean, well, let's say what we do know about Bardock from Minus. He has love in him. And we get that one comment of your traits are rubbing off on me. So it sounds like maybe there was a Bardock that Mm. was a little more pure of a scion, if you will. And he's acknowledged that Gine is rubbing off on him. It it almost almost sounds in a way almost like a cop out in a sense, that line or or, or, or even even Gine being there at all is just trying to justify the fact that Bardock is going to care about his son now that it's like oh oh well it's your fault it's not me I, I, I really am a bad guy and Toriyama's writing me as a bad guy it's you Toriyama's he's just blaming women this yeah. is awful so now we're back to this conversation of is Toriyama racist is he sexist like well it was the 80s it was Japan that doesn't make it okay here we are in 2014 no I'm stuck like you said, we're stretching because there's nothing else said there. He sends off his son and they're both very concerned about him and he still seems concerned about his fellow scions, I guess. So there are some of those traits. Well, I I, I, I guess I could go back to the, what, I, what I briefly mentioned when I realized it before is that I guess this Bardock already seems to have at least some distrust of Frieza going into it as opposed to the yeah, Bardock yeah. special one where he's, you know, like, keep your voice down let's not talk about that. You know, don't say bad things about Frieza because he'll hear us. And and, and also, I, I guess you could say, depending on if you want to take this as bad storytelling or, or just a, as a clue as to who this character is, this Bardock doesn't have psychic powers, yet he is able to just piece, like, very little, as far as we can see, very little information together to go, oh, this is what Frieza's planning, I gotta do something about this. Uh, just just right. based on his own brain power, I guess, and his own intuition. Yeah, he takes it upon himself based on his own piecing things together rather than being granted the sight of the future. And, 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 I, and I guess you could say he's taking a bit more of a risk than with his actions than the Bardock special one, because the Bardock special, Bardock knew 
this is yeah. going to go down and he had nothing sure. to lose. This one's right, like, well, conclusion. we're gonna, we're trying to kind of break in, breaking the rules here and we're going to try to make things work, but I guess we could be wrong about this and we'll try to figure that out when it comes. So I, I guess there's a bit more of a risk taker in here. I'm, I'm trying to extrapolate as much as I can. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I'm I trying. Know. <laughs> I know. There, there's nothing. I guess that's where we kind of have to leave it is that Toriyama's Bardock, a better guy yeah, than... better, better dad. <laughs> but do we it's want tough. him to be that? <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap up the discussion that way. Is is this something Toriyama should have done to Bardock specifically? What do you think? Um, I, again, I guess it's slightly different from talking about Bardock because I, I, I really, I've, I made it clear on the message boards that I really don't like what it's done, what I feel it's done to Dragon Ball, the story as a whole, and what it's maybe done to Goku and maybe the Saiyans in general. I, I guess in terms of, I still like the direction Toei went with him better, but I guess there's nothing too... I, I guess there's nothing that explicitly says Bardock can't be a nice, swell guy, I guess. As so I guess he can be that. Uh, I, I prefer to think as, you know, the Saiyans are a bloodthirsty race and Toei's Bardock seem to really pick up on that idea and run with it. But yeah. I but I guess just in terms of Bardock by himself, taking you know, taking out of the equation all the stuff that it sort of changes Goku's origin story, and just taking Goku out of the equation, I guess it's okay that he's a nice guy, but I don't like it that much. Yeah, like you said, there there's so many other implications though. Just Bardock being changed this way affects so many other things. The rest of the story of Minus affects so many other things. I'll be the bad guy. I'll say this was a mistake. Toriyama made a mistake. I don't know if it was his decision, if like you said, Shuesh was, hey man, add this extra stuff here into Jocko. It'll be great. And that's what makes me so sad is I really loved Jocko. Me too. Those, me too. Those 11 chapters I thought were wonderful. And to have this added in it's just oh it kind of leaves you on a sour note at the end of Jocko mm -hmm. which wrapped everything up it's that prequel that does wrap everything up so neatly mm -hmm. but it did so in an inoffensive way that still let the story be the story and Minus just intrudes on the rest of the story well, it's that prequelitis I was talking about before, because it's, it's funny, because it's, again, it's the opposite of, of the Bardock special, where it's like, at the end of the Bardock special, no nothing's really been affected all that much. Nothing's changed. Yeah. Bardock's actions haven't had some big impact on the universe. It's just things that happened around him. Here, Bardock is directly involved with everything that's happened. The, the whole reason Goku is here... Uh, is you know, is where he is is because of Bardock, and so in a way, it's like it really sort of makes everything. It's it's like well, everything has to tie in together, and everything has to you know Bardock's parents. I mean, sorry, Bardock's but go. Well, I'm sure we might get Bardock's parents at this rate the way we're, we're going here. <laughs> right. uh, you know, Goku's parents you know are responsible for where he is and why he is and who he is, and it just it feels just too. We got a nice little bow on here, and now everything is neat and tidy, and it's yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's too intrusive. Well, well, here's how we'll wrap up our topic here. Bardock is in Dragon Ball Heroes. Now he has a Super Saiyan 2 transformation, which is apparently just red sparks around him. Something I've been worried about and something that I thought episode of Bardock was leaning toward. And now that I see Dragon Ball Minus and knowing what Toriyama did to battle a god i say did to battle of gods i like battle of gods. I like everything he did. I you say so, so, something he put in battle of gods. Is that where you're going with this? Yes. 
are we going to finally see what I'm concerned about? Will Bardock now be that first Super Saiyan God? Is he the nice Saiyan that tried to rally oh the God. Saiyans? Well, I guess it was funny. I mean, again, and I, I hate having to say this. I still have not seen Battle of Gods. And so okay. and so I have not. I, I've all this, this the, that particular line in Dragon Ball Minus is always stuck in my head. But I didn't want to comment uh-huh. on it because I wasn't sure what he was going for with that. You know, I know. And I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure you know which line I'm talking about, too, where yep. Frieza specifically mentions Super Saiyan and or and. His, and his minion and Super Saiyan God, which just seems like totally out of left field to me. It's like, why Why are we getting that specific? Why, why not mention Super Saiyan 2 and Super Saiyan 3 while we're at it, as long as we're listing specific versions of Super Saiyan? And it's like, why right. is that even in there? But now that you mention that, that really does terrify me. <laughs> <laughs> because before it was always just, oh man, it feels like the real leading in that direction but now that Toriyama specifically mentioned Super Saiyan God in a Bardock story specifically oh geez <laughs> I think this pulls back to one of the first reasons why I wanted to have you specifically on this topic was you always said what's so special about Bardock is that he wasn't special he's getting too special and if they make him Super Saiyan God the Saiyan Messiah as Viz would put it <laughs> right there's no character left at that point he's literally just a walking plot device well uh, here, here's here's my question for you uh, this is something I've been mulling around for a while especially since it's very obvious that this is a different Bardock uh, Toriyama is the primary author of Dragon Ball if we're going to talk about the the, the the canon of the 42 Toriyama is the sole author of all of that yep so do you think it's okay for Toriyama to take a character that he didn't create yeah, yeah. and then make him into a brand new character for his own continuity? I think it's okay. I don't like what he did. I mean, I feel like that's the simplest answer is I'm open to anything and I love loving Dragon Ball. But Dragon Ball <laughs> Myers is pretty terrible, guys. <laughs> I, I, I would say pretty much the same thing, too. Is I, I was very, because again, as I said, coming with that context from the from whatever I read before, saying that, oh, well, this might not be what they're saying with the manga. This might not, they might not be explicitly saying the Bardock specials in there. I was totally open going into uh, Dragon Ball Minus that, okay, we're going to start fresh. This is going to be a different Bardock. I'm okay, sure, with, I'm okay with that. I was totally yep. fine with that. So, like, ever since I saw the picture of Goku, like little Goku in the armor, it's like, okay, we're going a different direction. I'm, let's see where it goes. Didn't like this. So I'm, I'm okay with the, in theory, of him taking this character. I mean, because actually I'm, I'm more okay with him taking the character and doing something totally different than him taking this character that's already been established and messing around with that, which, which mm. I guess, which, which I guess I could say is what Oishi kind of did. You could, you could argue. So I'm okay with the idea of him saying, okay, I'm starting fresh with Bardock. This is my Bardock. This is their Bardock, whatever. I just didn't like this Bardock. <laughs> and, you know, it keeps coming back around too. But you liked the Bardock that already existed. Mm-hmm. So why did you make him so different? Yeah, that's you think Toriyama would have seen the implications of this. And the thing is, he's been so consistent about mm-hmm. it since those first comments where he said, I liked it, it made me cry. To as recent as regurgitating those same comments in 2011. Like, it's relatively fresh to him that he... Thinks he liked Bardock. I feel like we could just keep talking in circles where it would be, all right, this, 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 this. And we keep getting back to the exact same point. So I guess we'll wrap it up. Bardock, we thought we knew you. Apparently no one does. Lance, Dragon Ball Dissection. Tell us about it. Hopefully by the time this this podcast comes out, there'll be a new episode up. 
Piccolo Daimo arc part two. You can look forward to an arc by arc analysis of the Dragon Ball manga series. And at the end of each arc, I have a score system where I, as I divide the series up into 10 separate arcs. And so it makes it very easy for me to, to arrange them for the score of one to 10 as to what I think is Toriyama's best example of Dragon Ball. And which would be a 10 because 10 is the highest number. And one being where I think it kind of faltered a bit, but I still don't hate it because I love Dragon Ball. And, and along the way, I'm sort of filtering in the movies as well, sort of as standalone thingies, and eventually, eventually, at some point, I'm sure I'm going to get to all these different Bardock things, and I'm, I'm already, like, writing scripts in my head as to how I'm going to tackle this. I'm, I'm not even sure how I'm going to do this, so I'm just going to, like, have one big heap and help on a Bardock where I just tackle everything like we did here, or just sort of do it chronologically. Well, there you go. But... Use this as kind of your rough draft. I do that a lot, where I, I do podcast episodes, and then that turns into a feature or a guide on the site. I really listen to I'm like, oh, that's what we said. Oh, that was a good point. Let me write that. So use our conversations here as your basis for the future. So yeah, if anybody's uh, anybody's listening to this who would like to see Dragon Ball Dissection, hasn't seen Dragon Ball Dissection yet, just head on over to youtube.com slash Fusion, M-I-S-T-A-R-E-F-U-S-I-O-N, and you can find all kinds of lovely, hopefully lovely Dragon Ball videos. And hopefully I won't make you too angry at things that I say because YouTube people scare me. You are a stronger person than I am. <laughs> I, I miss your YouTube videos oh me too they're a lot of work as i'm sure you know doing video is not easy man audio comparatively this is easy stuff <laughs> video it takes a lot of time all right man well that was bardock thanks thank you and of course before we wrap up the show we have to ask that most important question who's that character Last time here on the show, the clip that we played for you, there was a, a key phrase in there that kind of gave it away to most people. This is the clip we played. That was indeed Yuko Mita as Selipa from the Bardock TV special. A lot of people latched onto her saying, Wakse Vegeta, Planet Vegeta. I always like to toss in a little something. If you don't really know Japanese, but you're paying attention to what you're listening to, you might be able to pick up on a little thing. And that was that little thing in that voice clip. So who's that character this week? We got a new clip for you. Maybe let's try going uh, more obscure. I don't know. I have not made a choice yet. So it is a surprise to you as it is to me. Here is the Who's That Character for this week. And then one more time, that clip again. Who's That Character? There is no real prize. It's all about your personal pride in being able to guess. Who do you think that character is, the voice actor or actress for that character? Uh, maybe where do you think that scene is from? As much context as you can come up with gives you a better guess, and we love seeing your guesses. They can be in the response thread for every podcast episode we have on the forum on Konzenshu. It can be on Twitter. It can be on Facebook. It can be on Google+. Plus. We post the podcast on YouTube. We've been doing that for a long time now. You can leave some responses there. Wherever you want to leave responses about who's that character, about the topic, love to hear your thoughts on Bardock, in particular this episode. Make it rain with comments. Want to hear it. That is going to wrap us up for the week. So I've promised certain topics a couple times in a row and we've actually managed to hit them. So I'm kind of curious and scared. Should I do it again? All right. 
an upcoming topic, which may or may not be next week. It depends because I think we're passing sickness through the internet. Julian came down with something. The whole family did. Poor dudes over there. Uh, Julian recently wrapped up his extensive comparison of the theatrical version of Battle of Gods with the extended version that recently aired on Fuji TV. Whole bunch of extra scenes. There's about 20 minutes of new material added to the film in this extended edition. Maybe we'll talk about that next episode. We shall see, but it's definitely coming in the next one or two or ten episodes on the podcast at Kanzenshu. That is the site that is in your ears right now. www.kanzenshuu.com. Kanzenshu. Of course, you know, the real only source you need for anything about Dragon Ball. You can find myself there, Mike Vegito EX. Julian, as I have mentioned several times, Saya Jedi. Of course, Heath Huchio and Jake Herms. We are all on that's where we live, it's where we breathe, it's where we vomit Dragon Ball each and every day, really. Check us out there. You want to hang out on the social medias, we got you covered. Twitter, Facebook, Google+. Uh, theoretically, we have a Tumblr. I guess we do. I guess we should get on all those different places and post all those different things that you want. Look for Shu everywhere. You want to play Final Fantasy XIV with us? You can do that. Finally got Kieran up and subscribed again and all signed on to the Shu free company. He's my first officer. So you want to play along with us. Uh, it doesn't matter where in MMO or Final Fantasy-ness you are. I've never played an MMO before in my life and I'm plugging away at end game content and Kieran's uh, working on some lower level characters himself. Got some other friends of the site playing. Love to grab everyone together. Have a good time in our off time from Dragon Ball, which is kind of non-existent but we do what we can. And that's it. So uh, for all the folks I mentioned, my name is Mike Vegito EX. We will see you next time for Kanzenshu, the podcast episode 362. Two. Till then, check out the website, check out everything we're doing. We'll see you then. Bye.